from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Making what is old new again in the country. I'm Charles Denny. A holiday project here in McMinn County, Tennessee. Recycled ornaments and decorating county buildings. That story coming up on Ag Day. Things may be improving along the Mississippi River. An update on where water levels stand right now. And with more workers desperately needed on the farm, the industry makes a new push. I would tell you industry in general is definitely advocating for, an, for immigration reform. We'll take the latest pulse on getting immigration reform passed right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. As we look ahead to a new year, farmers are facing some continuing headwinds. One is the high cost and availability of a consistent workforce. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us to look at how this is renewing the push for a legislative solution. Clinton, while the labor shortage is a universal problem for the food and agricultural industry, it is an especially big challenge for dairy operations, which need year-round workers. That's why the industry is once again calling on the new Congress to pass immigration reform. However, there's mixed opinions about what it will take for that to become reality. The cost and availability of workers is a hot-button issue for dairy producers. Labor. It's labor, labor, labor. We've been talking about labor. Uh, for a long time and uh, I don't I'm not uh, not very hopeful that we're going to get anything done there. However one Washington insider is more optimistic about movement on immigration policy in 2023. I'm one of the few who think we have a six-month window in early 2023 with the new Congress to get a mini immigration reform through uh, from uh, both houses of, uh, uh, of uh, 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 Congress, the House and the Senate. But that begins with border security. The Republicans are insisting they won't move uh, one iota unless they have border security. Once they get that, then they can give the Democrats some of the things that they want. The dairy industry is calling for compromise and for Congress to adopt the Farm Worker Modernization Act, which is passed twice in the House. Move the ball down the court. Um, we've had productive discussions. Uh, but we're still not quite there. And I'm sure it's because it's a fraught political discussion in some regard. Um, but, but I would tell you industry in general is definitely advocating for, an, for immigration reform. Ford says there's consensus among lawmakers she talks to in both parties that immigration reform is needed. So she says it's time to get this done because it hurts farmers, but is also critical with the global food crisis. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. Congress will end the year this week if they're able to clear a spending package for next year. And there are several ag-related issues that are penciled into the plan. The Senate is expected to vote on the bill first, and the House will need to pass it before government funding runs out on Friday night. Senate Minority Leader Republican Mitch McConnell has set a deadline of Thursday for reaching a deal. Otherwise, he supports using a short-term continuing resolution to push spending talks into 2023. Farm Journal Washington analyst Jim Wiesmeyer says a pending omnibus bill will reportedly include items dealing with aid for this year, including for crops and livestock, a special package for rice producers, a possible change for crop insurance, and a last-minute attempt to approve year-round E15. This year's bird flu has now become the largest foreign animal disease outbreak in U.S. history. USDA now confirming more than 57 and a half 
million birds have been impacted by highly pathogenic avian influenza. The latest cases involving three large egg farms in Colorado, South Dakota, and Washington State, with well over one million birds impacted at each. And it may not be over just yet. Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag is warning it could get worse as we move into winter. A recent analysis from Robobank says this could push some poultry prices even higher in the next year. The previous record, HPAI outbreak, was set back in 2015 when 50 million birds were impacted. Crews are working to learn more about a massive fire to grain elevator in Hemlock, Michigan. First responders from 29 fire agencies in and around the Saginaw area were called on over the weekend to put out this fire that took several hours to contain. Now it started in a storage dome Sunday night at Anderson Incorporated. It's estimated 3 million bushels were inside the bin that was on fire. Now no one was injured, but the cause of the fire is undetermined right now. Some good news about those low water levels on the Mississippi River. They appear to be rising. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says the water levels in Memphis are almost 18 feet higher than the record low stage set back in mid-October. He says there is a similar rise in the Ohio Valley and almost 18 foot rise in Cairo, Illinois. And here's a look at the gauge in New Orleans from last week where the river was at an elevation of four feet. Now, Rippey says rainfall in the region has helped out tremendously to raise the water level. That has come a long way in helping to normalize large operations on the Ohio River and the lower portions of the Mississippi River. Now, Rippey says low water concerns remain in parts of the upper Mississippi from St. Louis northward. As cold weather descends on the country, especially the northern part of the country over the next few days, that could help to cut inflow due to ice formation and frozen soils. So we will have to continue to watch low river levels north of Cairo, Illinois, where the Ohio River enters the Mississippi. So effectively from St. Louis northward, still dealing with low river levels in that area. Ahead of the holiday weekend, a very grinchy storm may put a damper on some people's travel plans. Meteorologist Matt Yurisovic joins us with the very latest. Matt. That's right, Clinton. We've got a big storm system to track this week, and it is going to potentially snarl holiday travel for a lot of folks out there across the northern plains, the upper Midwest, and the Great Lakes, even into the Northeast. So wide-ranging winter storm to track this week. But temperature is going to be a big player, and some areas are pretty mild as we head through the first half of the week. We've got 30s and 40s across the east. 60s down in the southwest, but it's the cold air that's gathering up in the northern plains. Eight below in Bismarck this afternoon. It is going to get even colder. And if you notice that jet stream is going to dip down through the center of the country, that's going to provide all of that cold air for this storm system. And it is going to bring in bitterly cold wind chills as well. We'll take a look at that in a little bit. But two punches, system snow, and then on the backside, lake effect snow going to be kicking up with this system. Something that we're going to have to continue to track and see how things evolve over the next couple of days. And last week was a difficult one for many livestock producers dealing with things during the massive winter storm. Yields in the Fields on Ag Day is brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. DJ of Canastota, South Dakota sharing this picture as he works to keep his animals fed in pretty tough conditions. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. 
Grain markets start the week in a sour mood. We'll tell you why coming up next in analysis and later creating the perfect holiday look and memory by upcycling in Tennessee. Explain in the country. And we have another winner in our Case IH giveaway. Congratulations to Bill McDonald of Yankton, South Dakota. You've won a terrific prize pack from Case IH. We'll bring you another winner tomorrow morning. And the grand prize winner of the Farm All Seed Pedal Tracker will be announced on U.S. Farm Report this weekend. Soybean futures fell to the lowest levels in a week after rains reached some dry areas of South America over the weekend. Michelle Rook is back with a look at the markets now. Joining us with analysis is Alan Brugler, and uh, we did have a down day on Monday, and of course, uh, some of that's removing South American weather premium, but how much of it was also tied to end-of-the-year type liquidation by the fund community? Well, it's always hard to gauge the, the overall participation, but we, we, we know the meal took a good hit, but it had had a nice rally last week, so some of that was probably just profit-taking. We'll, we'll see the open interest today, data tonight. Uh, but you did have the South American rains, and that's that, of course, would, would tend to mean uh, theoretically more supply for Argentine meal. So do you expect more fund liquidation as we go into the end of the year, and especially because it feels like we've got this hangover from the Fed and what might happen after the first of the year causing recessionary fears? I, I think we're definitely seeing some removal of inflation premiums. Uh, if you look at the 10-year T-notes, they're actually... Uh, giving you lower yields, even though the Fed's raising rates on the short run. That means we're removing inflationary expectations. And you're seeing uh, some liquidation, certainly in the, in the grains here, just seeing the open interest leak lower. And uh, to me, that says some of the, the uh, index funds are removing, uh, removing some of their inflation bets. So technically, what are you kind of watching here in terms of support areas that kind of need to hold or we're going to see a capitulation of this thing? Well, I'm, I'm, capitulation might be a little strong here. I think we, we may wait for the January USDA reports to decide okay. whether we need to do that. But uh, having said that, we, we dropped the, the January beans down to the 18-day average today. That was, that was one area that kind of needed to hold. We could easily lose another 15 cents if that doesn't hold. But again, I think it's going to be tied to what the products are doing. Yeah, but corn and wheat technically look tougher than the soybean market, don't they? Wheat has had a real problem here. It, it, uh, we've been saying it's, it's in a great place for it to stop from a technical standpoint. It's near support, it's oversold, et cetera, et cetera, but it doesn't want to stop going down. Uh, there's an old saying in the wheat business, the wheat takes no prisoners, and that's kind of what we're seeing here. It's just leaking lower, trying to find export business. Well, let's hope we find support soon. Thanks so much for joining us, Alan Brugler with Brugler Marketing, more Ag Day coming up. To talk to Alan about his Ag Market Professional Services, call Brugler Marketing and Management at 402-697-3623 or visit his website, www.bruglermarketing.com.
Well, we've got to look at this forecast and a big winter storm to track as we head, especially through the second half of the week. Could be a travel nightmare for some, whether you're air travel or traveling on the ground, heading through uh, really the middle part of the country and into the northeast and mid-Atlantic states as we head through this weekend. Starts out on the milder side, especially down in the south, with all the cold air bottled up there in Canada. But take a look at this. Here comes the jet stream farther down to the south into Thursday. This is when that storm system really starts to ramp up across the middle part of the country. Cold air coming in behind it, and we're going to be talking about wind chills of 30 to 40 below zero in parts of the upper Midwest and the northern plains there. Some areas in North Dakota could even see wind chills of 50 or 60 below zero. Now, that cold air continues to move off to the east, wraps up in this storm system, so everyone gets a blast of cold air, whether you're in Maine or into Florida. Yeah, into Florida. It's going to be chilly down there as we head through the second half of the week and then uh, that colder air kind of sticking around at least through Sunday before things will turn a little bit more mild as we approach the new year. But take a look at this feels like temperatures this morning 29 below in Bismarck 18 below in Rapid City, but watch how that colder air just kind of hangs around there. Northern Plains really dealing with the chill and that's going to move eastward. Once we bring that system in, it'll pull all that colder air right on in. So as we take a look at the pressure here, not much is going on to start. High pressure up to the north and the south. One system bringing some chillier air in and another one moving through Florida. But this is the storm system out here that's beginning to drop its way into from Canada. That's going to be the big producer of snow and rain across the east as well as wind and the potential for blizzard conditions as well. Start on the rainy side. A lot of that going to be moving up from the south right up into the mid-Atlantic States, but then as we head into the system, as that kind of really ramps up with the colder air, there'll be snow on the northern side and on the back side of the system as well. That'll start in the upper Midwest and move its way eastward with lake effect snow continuing to follow it right on through Christmas Day. And that's something we'll continue to track right here on Ag Day. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look at the weather where you live. Atlanta, Georgia showers likely a high near 42 degrees heading to Ashley, North Dakota, partly cloudy and bitterly cold, a high of seven below zero and Jackson, Wyoming, breezy with snow, likely a high near 39. So what kind of returns can Illinois dairy farmers expect in 2023? We'll tell you about the latest calculations coming up next and later taking the old and giving it a new holiday purpose. How students are upcycling some ornaments in the country. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineryPete.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineryPete.com. USDA's December Dairy Outlook showed some changes when it comes to imports and exports. For this year's fat solid imports, they were raised about 300 million pounds based on higher imports of butter as well as some cheese. And officials raised the export forecast by the same amount based on butter and butter containing products. Now in the skim solid category. Import forecast raised 100 million pounds based on cheese imports for 2023. We did reduce our skim solids basis export forecast by about 100 million pounds, mainly on reduced sales of lactose given pretty stiff international competition there. Jekinowski adds that most milk categories and class prices were adjusted up 
compared to the previous month. We're getting a snapshot of the profitability of dairy producers in one state right now. The University of Illinois reporting this year is expected to be better than last thanks to higher milk prices exceeding costs. But it says while milk prices are up, feed costs are higher. The economists estimate feed costs per 100 pounds of milk produced to average about $14.50. Now that puts the total cost to produce 100 pounds of milk at $24.50. And it says a 39 cent increase in milk prices this year for Illinois producers will result in annual price of about $25.35 per hundredweight. That means the average Illinois producer will see returns of 85 cents per hundredweight. Now for next year, they're projecting lower milk prices and slightly lower feed costs, leading to a small projected negative economic return. Now Christmas often includes some new shiny toys, but it's also about celebrating the season with what's in front of us. Charles Denny looks at some new life for old ornaments. C4Hers have been busy performing acts of kindness and are learning lessons about giving. Charles Denny of the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture has more on a unique effort to recycle holiday cheer. Would the elves arrive on the courthouse steps in downtown Athens ready to deliver decorations? There's re-gifting at Christmas and maybe you've done a little bit of that yourself, but how about recycled holiday cheer? These 4-Hers in Athens made nearly 1,000 ornaments from recyclable materials like aluminum cans and whatnot. And now these creations have a seasonal home. Yeah, I mean, it's good to repurpose things because if you're just buying new stuff and then just blowing it off, then nothing will be reused. And what are you going to do with the old ones? Just put them in a landfill. Oh, yeah or in this case, on a Christmas tree. After spending weeks working on the ornaments, the 4-Hers then decorated McMinn County offices, areas where workers and the public can stop by and admire the holiday visuals. The ornaments were things these kids found, grew, or crafted. What was your decoration? Um, it was like a little robot head. Uh -huh. Yeah, and I drew eyeballs on it to make it look like an actual robot. Uh -huh. It's actually at the top of the tree because it's the, one of the better ones. <laughs> this is the seventh Christmas season for this project. It started by decorating the McMinn County Courthouse, then the County Annex, and then the Sheriff's Department wanted their tree decorated. This giving spirit is also a bit of a civics lesson. 4-Hers learn about government and visit with elected leaders as part of this project. And then there's the message taught by recycling. Why discard something if another use can be found for it? Some of the kids are, I guess, hikers and they found antlers from deer in the woods. Wow. I try to teach them that, you know, Everything doesn't have to go in the trash. It doesn't have to be a one-use thing. You can make it into something else to, you know, enhance your life still. Uh, so these ornaments, I tell them, they would bring joy to the community. UT Extension Sarah Smith says it's not been all merry and bright in her county the past year, with some people facing job losses. Smith says her 4-Hers are good about being sensitive to community needs year-round. The kids seem to understand this very well. Each project that we seem to do, they seem to always bring stuff and be aware that this is helping someone else. 
The ornaments up, the 4-H'ers move on to their next decorating assignment in another government building. But they leave behind things that could have easily been thrown away and instead will be a symbol of holiday beauty. Good cheer is always something worth reusing. This is Charles Denny reporting. All right, thanks Charles. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Agdam, Clinton Griffiths, have a great day.